Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together our call to worship from Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply, but the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Preserve me, O God. I have no good apart from you. Preserve I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. You, may know, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore.
Praise be to you, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, according to your mercy, you have made us alive again to a living hope through the resurrection of your Son, Jesus. And Lord, we are grateful that, that nothing can defile or, or tarnish or make untrue this hope that we hold and share together in faith. And so, Lord, may this good news that fill us this morning, that our faces would be lifted that our doubts would see and feel the scars in your hands, that all of our betrayals would find you on the shore, experiencing your lavish and disarming love. Lord, our hearts sing with David's words this morning that, that the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life and whom shall I be afraid? Lord, those of us here this morning that, that hear these words in shadow, that that feel the ache and the pull of temptation, of the turn of the heart towards things that seem like life and goodness, but are full of emptiness and grief. Lord, meet us with your radiant and revealing words of life. Father, grant us strength and courage to move towards your light, to repent and travel the difficult paths of reconciliation, to love our neighbors and to love our enemies. And so, Father, we ask that, that by your spirit that you would make yourself known to us this morning. Come to those of us who feel really near and those who feel really far from you. Father, meet all of us and show us the grace of Jesus and change us by it. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, children are now dismissed for children's worship.
Well, we do move now to a time of confession and assurance, a time where we come honestly before God to acknowledge our need and our, our sin before him. And we do so knowing that his grace, his mercy is close. And so we'll do this together as a church and then have a time of personal quiet confession. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Loving Father, forgive us when we deny what we know is true to follow our own desires, when we ignore that what is just and merciful to follow our own ambitions, when we give in to despair instead of clinging to you. Lord, have mercy on us. Amen. Take a moment of quiet personal confession. Father, we are thankful that in Christ we have a good shepherd, one who will leave the, the 99 to save the one lost. 
And more than that, Lord, who, who lays down his life for a sheep. We're thankful for this grace, this grace that comes to us only through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We give thanks in his name. Amen. We'll stand to hear the words of assurance that, that come to us from Zephaniah chapter 3. Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. As we've been welcomed into God's family, let us also welcome each other in the name of Christ. Strong. 
The Old Testament lesson is from Psalm 66, verses 5 through 12. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Salah. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. The gospel lesson is from John 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. morning. It's good to be here and to worship uh, with you today. Thank you, Noah, for reading. Uh, we're going to look at a passage from uh, 1 Peter, but before we read that, just a note that the church calendar is uh, a kind of a helpful way of thinking about time in the midst of our ever-changing circumstances. And in that church calendar, last Sunday, we celebrated Easter and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And that brings us into a season that's often called Eastertide, that runs from Easter Sunday to, to Pentecost. And it's a time in the church that we can reflect on the resurrection and the hope that Jesus gives to us. And so starting next Sunday, we're going to have a sermon series where we um, look at the second half of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from the Gospel of Matthew. But today, like I said, we're going to look at a passage from 1 Peter. And part of what we will hear is, is Peter telling us through the Spirit that according to God's mercy, we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Born again 
to a living hope. This invites us to, to think and to acknowledge today that the resurrection of Jesus is this true and historic event that's outside of us, that's independent of us, yet it's also an event through Jesus that gives us a new beginning, a new identity, a new future. And so let's look at our passage. Uh, you can follow in your order of worship or in your Bible, but this is 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we pray that your spirit would be here to help us to receive it, that your spirit would illuminate your, your, your good word to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning I want us to focus on the, the first part of our passage, and as part of that, I want to look at two aspects, the, the first being um, the opening blessing in, in Peter's experience. And then the second aspect that we'll look at is the gift of God's mercy, which our passage describes as being born again to a living hope and to a new inheritance. So let's start with this, this first part, the opening blessing in Peter's experience. You see how our passage opens, this letter is opening, blessed be God, blessed be God. The word blessed here occurs often throughout the Psalms, and it's a, a way of expressing gratitude. It's a way of expressing praise. An example is in Psalm 68, where the, we read, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up, who daily lifts us up. And Peter does not simply offer a blessing in general, a general thanks or a general praise. His words of blessing then go right to the heart of God's action in the person of Christ. Blessed be God, in his great mercy, God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And as we hear that opening blessing, that praise and of giving thanks, I want us to notice something about how, what Peter writes there you notice that he includes himself. God has given us a new birth. God has given us a new birth. That Part of him giving thanks that, that Peter is kind of leading the way in this personal experience that he has come to know the God of mercy 
He's come to know the God of new birth and new beginnings in the person of Christ. Peter is saying, not just kind of a, a formal welcome, he's saying, I, I have experienced this gift through the death and resurrection of Christ. And so we maybe can just ask for a moment, what is Peter's story? What is his experience? We could spend a lot of time, but we could also just he try to say succinctly, you know, he was a Galilean fisherman. He and his brother Andrew were called by Jesus to follow him. And this call, which we can only imagine was both exciting and scary, both mysterious and also hopeful, invited Peter to turn from false hopes and false pursuits to reorient his life to the person of Jesus. And Jesus calls, and what we see in the scripture is that Peter drops his net. He drops his net. He leaves everything and travels with Jesus. Eventually coming to the point in which he says to Jesus, Jesus, you are the Christ. To confess the faith to Christ himself. Yet Peter also knows the pain of failure. There's times in the Gospels where he has doubts and confusion, but we know especially a time of failure that on the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested, Peter fails. It isn't just a failure to help Jesus, not just a failure to, to rescue him. No, what we see and what we read is that during Jesus' time of great pain and great rejection, Three times Peter says, I don't even know the man. Jesus had told Peter that this would happen, that before the rooster crows, before the next morning, you will deny me three times. And if you recall, maybe if you're familiar with the passage, Peter says, no, you know, there's no way that's going to happen. You know, no way I'll back away from you. But I think we can relate or we can at least imagine that in that deep fear and sorrow and chaos of the night that Jesus was arrested, Peter finds himself saying, I don't know him. I wasn't with him. I don't even know what you're talking about. And after these denials, upon seeing Jesus' face and hearing the rooster crow, Peter fled and wept bitterly. As part of preparing for the sermon, I came across a note that historians have found works of art that they describe as the first visual depictions of Jesus and Peter. These works are mostly from the third century and often on the walls of the catacombs, kind of hidden away. Interestingly, in these early paintings, Peter and Jesus are always depicted with a rooster. The bird is normally displayed as larger than in, in life size. It's sometimes on the ground, sometimes on a pillar, but always in a prominent place. And in some of the paintings, Jesus is even pointing a finger at the rooster. Why? <laughs> Right, if we're going to make some kind of memorial, why would we choose 
to remember Peter's denials? Why would the church paint images that remind us of Peter's kind of failure or disloyalty? Why is this the work that was painted on the wall? Well, the early church adopted the rooster as a symbol of resurrection. This might sound strange. They adopted the rooster as a symbol of resurrection, that the rooster was the herald of a new morning, the herald of a new dawn. And it's on this new day, the day of resurrection, that Peter, the one who denied Jesus in his fear, experienced the washing away of his guilt and shame, experienced a new beginning. And therefore, the image of Peter's failure becomes the image of Jesus' victory. The image of Peter's pain and shame becomes the image of Jesus' resurrection and hope that this symbol that there is another word, Peter, there is a new day. You see, the very place of Peter's fall and remorse becomes the place of his new birth, the new hope. And this art invited the church, a church, a collection of sinners putting faith in Christ, invites the church to remember this truth. And this is a good word for Peter, obviously, but it's a good word for you and for me. For us to receive this blessing, to enter into the blessing that our passage opens with, that for anyone who knows the deep shame of failure, of failing one that you love or denying what you hold dear. Hear the word of the resurrection, that the darkest place, the place that has no hope in Jesus and his victory over sin and death, such a place becomes one of light and of a new life and a new beginning. See, the resurrection tells us there's something more than ourselves and our sin and our failures. And in this way, the resurrection becomes the very basis for a radically reconstructed identity, a new way of seeing myself in the world and knowing who God is in my life. And therefore, therefore, in Peter's experience, he offers this blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to God's mercy, he has caused us, you and me, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance that is unfading and undefiled. This is the good news that we're invited to remember today. Well, having considered the blessing uh, in Peter's experience, then I want us to look at the second aspect this morning is we can look more closely at this gift that God gives to us, this gift that in Christ we are born anew to a living hope and to a new inheritance. There's an author named Diane Setterfield, and in one of her works she describes a character, one of the central characters of the novel. She describes this character in this way. The events of her life, her grief, her shame had flooded her. And 
with her words, she was trying to bail herself out. But the words were like egg cups, egg cups. And what she was experiencing was like an ocean, too vast to be changed by such modest vessels. She bailed and she bailed, trying to tell herself it was okay. But no matter how often she repeated the effort, she could not get to the end of it. The image of words like egg cups before an ocean of flooding water. Maybe you know experience like that. I imagine all of us at times do. In our passage, and I want us to see or to imagine this, in our passage in the power of the resurrection, we're given new words, new, prom new promises that speak into our lives and into our grief and shame in a powerful way. God in his mercy has caused us to be born anew. And this gift of new birth Peter says it's clear it comes out of God's mercy. The Greek word here for mercy, it, it parallels an Old Testament word, hesed, meaning loving kindness or loving steadfast kindness. This idea of, of a sheltering kindness, one that we might experience under someone's care. It quotes this idea that God has an ongoing commitment even in the face of our unfaithfulness he maintains a covenant union with Christ. That even in the midst of our shame or unfaithfulness, that God continues offering this shelter of his love and kindness. And what our passage invites us to, to think about or to see is that such mercy, such mercy is so profound, so deep. It goes so far into the shame that we feel or the uncertainties of who we are that it brings about a situation so radically different that Peter describes it as being born again. It is like you have a new life, a new beginning. That is the power of this mercy of God. We know that one does not choose to be born. We, we didn't make ourselves be born. To be born anew invites us to think about a power or a force, an activity beyond us that by God's mercy, out of God's steadfast love, we have become a new people. This power outside of us is connected to family language, that you were given a new birth into a new family. This is who you are. These are the words that we can apply to the flood of shame and grief and worry in our life, that you are a child of God. There's a Christian ethicist named Oliver O'Donovan. It's a lot of O's, Oliver O'Donovan. Uh, and I think it's helpful. He, he writes about the idea that there's three ways that we contemplate the future. Anticipation, deliberation and hope. Anticipation is our kind of natural expectation that we can count on things going on as they always have. Uh, in the morning, the sun will rise. In the morning, the sun will rise. I can anticipate that. Deliberation is when we begin to plan and to strategize, throwing our own intentions 
our own actions into the mix. You know, when the sun rises tomorrow, we'll set out on our trip. When the sun comes up tomorrow, I will make that phone call. I will send that email. I will have that conversation. O'Donovan writes that hope is different. Hope is what we need when anticipation and deliberation reach their limits. When you have no reasonable expectation that the things will just work out or that you can trust your own capabilities, that in some reason or some aspect, the, the circumstances or the obstacles or the, the goal or the outcome is beyond my control, beyond me simply desiring it to happen or plan for it. In such times, we might not even know what to hope for, but we just know we need something or someone beyond our anticipation and beyond our deliberation. In God's mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection from the dead. This is inviting us to think again about who we are and how we see the future, that there is a power at work in us. Even in the face of our limits and hurt and circumstances or our losses, a power beyond us that's not ultimately rooted in our deliberations. The way it's described for us is that we are born again into a living hope. Living hope is contrasted with a hope that is dead. Dead hope is dead because it rests on futile things. Things we know don't have the power to bring about what we desire or need. Things that are fading or transient or insufficient in themselves. We know this kind of inherently that wherever we direct our hopes on that person or that item, that talent, that resource, that success, we're asking to carry a burden, to carry a weight. And so it's in this way that hope often has the image of a foundation, something we build upon, something that we can stand upon or rest upon or have a future or our dreams or place our worries upon. And so therefore, a living hope means one that will not fade or crumble. And the Christian hope is described that way. It's a living hope because it's rooted and based in Jesus, the risen one, who has faced rejection and the powers of the world, who has faced our sin and death and continued. We're born again to a living hope and born again to a a new inheritance, a new future. Our family is marked by an inheritance, just like birth is a family term and so is inheritance, that it's part of being in a new family. And to help us grasp this foundation that will endure, Peter uses three words. It's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Free, unperishable, meaning it's free from death and decay, undefiled, that it's free of uncleanliness or guilt or shame, unfading, meaning it's free of the natural ravages of time. Here is a future that cannot be touched by time, by circumstances, by enemies, by our own failures. And what is this inheritance? 
Well, much of the New Testament is trying to help us know what's been given to us, but we can say in Christ, in Christ you have been adopted as a child of God, that you're part of God's family. And that adoption is now and forever. It has been accomplished. Therefore, in God's family, we have forgiveness, a full acceptance, union with God, the renewal, the promise of a renewal of our bodies and the promise of a renewal of relationships in God's family. We experience some of these things in part now, but a longing for the future that there will be a time when we know God face to face, that we know one another and others as brothers and sisters, and that we'll know even ourselves in ways that we do not know now. The promise of Christ's resurrection is that this is certain and that God is keeping it for you. Therefore, we can say, blessed be God. The one in his mercy through Jesus' resurrection from the dead gives us a new beginning, a new birth, a new future, an unfading inheritance. I invite you today and in the days ahead to think about what it would be to practice that hope a hope not based in your deliberations or your resources, but a hope in which we remember the inheritance and the new birth that God has given to us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, that you are the one who speaks powerfully into our circumstances, into our own failures, or into the ways that we're mistreated, that you speak a word that is true and a word that endures. We pray that this day that we may trust in you and experience what it is to be called your son and daughter, received and welcomed in your grace. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand with us?
God, your faithfulness to us knows no boundaries. Grant us eyes to see your patience and your love for us as we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. This is a table that speaks of God's mercy, this sheltering kindness. Our place at the family meal, we have to remind ourselves of this always. Our place at the family meal is not what we have done or what we will do or what we've avoided. Our place at the family meal from beginning to end is the mercy of God expressed in the life and death and resurrection of Christ. So if you know of your need before God and have placed your hope not in yourself but in the hope of Christ and his victory, then this table is set for you to come and to be nourished by the Spirit, to be reminded that there is something more than your own deliberations or plans. This is the good news that God, while we were still sinners, covered in shame, seeking our own way. Christ died for us, that we would know the mercy and love of God and be called his children. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table, this sacrament that we can hold and see, that we can taste and touch, that speaks of your kingdom, a kingdom in which you bring sinners in, adopting them as your children, giving us the spirit that we may walk in new ways, ways marked by humility and mercy of loving one another and our neighbors, loving you with our whole being. We ask that you would meet us to encourage us and to strengthen us and to help us walk in this way of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. 
For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. All who are taking communion today, I invite you to come down the center aisle and you can receive the elements here at the table and go back on the sides. And if you're able to hold the elements, I ask that you to hold them to everyone's been served that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not taking communion today, we're glad that you're here and still invite you to come forward. If you just put your arm across your chest, um, we can offer a prayer of blessing for you here at the table. Let us now come forward and receive these good gifts that God gives for his people.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this uh, table of, of grace, I invite you to stand that we can pray and uh, sing and confess as God's people. Lord Jesus Christ, give us peace and help us to trust you as we proclaim the mystery of faith. you to confess your faith through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, we're going to continue our worship through a, a time of giving. This is an invitation. If you'd like to, to give in response to God's generosity, you can do so. I'm um, invite the the greeters that come forward, there's a basket you can put your communion cup in, and then a plate if you'd like to, uh, to give offering. If you, if you would like to give as well, you can do it through the, there's a note in the order through the website uh, or by text as well. Uh, one other note is that um, something a little different this Sunday, we have uh, these information pads under the, the chair closest to the aisle. So if you are there, you could pick that up, and, and, and it'd be great to fill out your name and pass it down that you can know that uh, we could know you're worshiping with us and, uh, and get to know each other that way as well. So you can fill it out, pass it down. Um, that'd be great. And uh, if you are visiting today, we're really glad that you joined us. Thanks for, uh, for, well, for coming. We welcome you. Uh, there's a time of coffee and bagels after the service. Um, it's over in the cafeteria. Uh, to, to get there, there's construction going on right now. So to get there, you kind of go behind me and, and down the hall. Um, or you, the way you came in on... Uh, Entrance three over here. Sorry, it's not very clear. <laughs> Entrance three over here to my left. There's a, a, another glass doors that you can come in uh, that way. So, anyway, just go over that way, and you'll find some coffee and bagels. And uh, I'm sure someone will, will wave at you. Um, but hopefully, you can stay after uh, and enjoy getting to know each other that way. Let's continue giving our gifts uh, to God.
and join us for the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. All o'er those wide extended plains shines one Receive now God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. May go in peace. Mm -hmm.